0: You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. All right, well, good morning, Radiant Church. If you are new with us, hey, welcome and thank you. My name is Marco Salazar. I'm the lead pastor of Radiant Church and so glad and grateful that you have decided to worship with us on a Sunday morning. I've had the pleasure of meeting some of you actually the last few weeks and talking to some of you on the phone and I've met some really cool people. People stepping back into the church you guys after being gone from the church for years and it's really exciting to just see what God is doing here among us here at Radiant Church. Well listen today we are in a uh, The book of Acts, one more time, again, with part number 11. This is part 11 already of our series. Uh, We've entitled The Spirit-Empowered Church. And if you are here and you're just kind of coming back to church, or maybe you're here and you are exploring faith, the book of Acts is found in the New Testament. It's one of the books of the Bible. And it is really the story and the life of the early church. And there's so much for us to glean from in the life of the early church. And, and you know, sometimes I hear people sort of uh, idealize, or idealize, I, I, I should rather say, the early church. And they say things like, you know, if we could just go back to the things that, the, the way things were in the early church, you know, then things would be perfect. Then we would have the perfect church. However, they're not realizing that even in the early church, it was full of uh, disappointments. It was full of uh, setbacks and heartbreaks and uh, sin and messiness. Yet, despite all of those things, the early church grew rapidly because of the, the, the proclamation of the gospel, because of the apostles. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they were on mission to change the world. And so if you were with us last week, we began or we started Acts Chapter six. Let me just give you a very brief summary because today we're going to pick it up uh, towards the second half of Acts 6 and actually all of Acts chapter 7. We won't read all of it because it's pretty long, but I will give you some of the bits and pieces and help to fill in all the the puzzle pieces, so to speak, for you. But in the beginning of Acts chapter 6, there's a problem within the church. There's a conflict. Yes, listen, it may be hard to believe, but even within the church, there are problems. And the Hellenistic or the Greek speaking Jews, they sort of lobby a complaint against the Aramaic speaking Jews. And they say, hey, our widows are being neglected in the daily distribution. You see, back then in the Jerusalem church, there was a daily distribution. There was sort of an outreach, but it was for uh, the believers there in the church, for those who were impoverished. And among that population were, well, as you may have guessed it, were widows. And they didn't have much, and so the church played a big part in helping them out. And so the Greek-speaking Jews are saying, hey, our widows are, are being neglected. And so here's what happens. The apostles step in, and they decide... We are so busy proclaiming the gospel, and we want to give ourselves to prayer and preaching the word. We're going to appoint seven men over this task. They're going to be full of the Holy Spirit. They're going to be full of wisdom, and that's what they do. They they lay their hands on these seven men, and they appoint these seven men to do the work of the ministry so that they themselves, again, might be given to prayer and the proclamation of God's word. Now, one of those guys, if you remember in the list from last week, his name is Stephen. Okay, Stephen. We're going to talk about Stephen's life today just a bit. Everything seems to be going well in the church, right? Okay, problem solved. All right, we're good to go. Everything is cool, except it's actually not. Because just right after this, again, controversy stirs up among the Jews, among those who are, or who, rather, oppose the church in a very, very strong way. And they literally, these Jewish people, they literally begin to pick a fight with Stephen, an argument, okay, an argument. And Stephen is a man, again, he's full of faith. He's a bold guy. And what we see Stephen do in Acts 6, especially in Acts chapter 7, is he speaks the truth with boldness, with boldness. I think we would all agree, especially in the times that we find ourselves living in, that speaking the truth, right, speaking the truth is really important today. Amen, church? Speaking truth is really important, especially in the age that we find ourselves in. We find ourselves in a day and age where there are blatant lies. There are so many half-truths. that I think it's important that God's people would be agents of truth, that we would speak the truth when we have the opportunity to do so. Now, I think we would also agree that speaking the truth can be done, listen, in all the wrong ways. Okay? Pastor and once Bible commentator, he's now passed away, Warren Wearsby, he once famously said this. You can put that quote up. Truth without love is what? Brutality. And love without truth is hypocrisy. Leave that up there for a few moments. I want to talk about this. Here's what Warren Wearsby was trying to say when he made this statement. He says this, that truth, when you give truth without any love, it's kind of like a hammer. You know what I mean? Just bam, bam, bam. It just, it's just used to beat people down. And it doesn't do a whole lot of good. Now, some of us have done that before. We've spoken truth boldly. And we're like, yeah. But then afterwards, we realize that he actually beat up that person pretty badly. And that's what Warren Worsby is trying to say. But he's also trying to say the opposite, that love, if you just give love without, without any truth, well, it's actually hypocrisy because, listen, it lacks substance. It doesn't have character, okay? And, and, and besides that, listen, if you yourself believe in the truth and you have received the truth, isn't it just a bit hypocritical that you're not giving the truth to someone who actually may really, really need it? Right, And so love without... Truth is just hypocrisy. Henry Cloud, he is uh, this famous writer, a Christian psychologist, and by the way, he wrote this book called Boundaries, quick plug for boundaries, the book Boundaries. If you've never read it, I think it's an excellent book. I read it years ago. The premise of the book Boundaries is essentially this, to be a good Christian doesn't mean you have to say yes to everything. And some of you need to learn how to say no, amen, right? Amen. Just, just quick plug for Boundaries. But here's what, here's what Henry Cloud says. He says this, truth without grace is judgment. It can kill someone's spirit. True love is grace and truth together. Show up with both at all times. <laughs> I think that's helpful, right? Show up with both, both truth, grace, and love. Show up with those things at all times. Of course, John the Apostle, I mean, above all of these things, okay, these books are great, and these Bible commentators are awesome, but above all, we have the Word of God, and John the Apostle summarizes, essentially, what? The, the ministry of Jesus, and he says this in 1 John, or not 1 John, John chapter 1, 17, he says this, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Amen, church? Grace and truth, right? Truth and grace. And I know what you're thinking. Some of you, I've said this before, some of you lean a little bit more on that grace side. You're like, I, I just, I want to love people. I want to serve people. It's all grace. And you need to move a little bit more towards the truth, right? You're, 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 just, you're just, you need to be a bit more bold. Some of you, you are the truth hammers, right? You love to pound that nail to the ground. Let me give them the truth Oh, I forgot to be graceful. I actually really hurt their feelings. I hurt them in a big way, right? But the idea is that we can do both, and Jesus Christ was both grace and truth. Now, listen, listen, church. I myself have said, and you've heard me say this, that the most loving thing that I can do is to give you the truth. And I stand behind that statement 100%, okay? Okay. But even in so, even in that, listen, I realize, I realize that I can give you the truth and I can still do it in all the wrong ways. I can still do it with a mean spirit, I can still be harsh, and I can still crush people. And I have done that before in one-on-one conversations, and I've had to go back and say, listen, I'm sorry, I was a bit too hard on you. And so here's the, the deal: we still need to do it in the right way. And so Here's what we're going to see from today's passage, Acts 6, Acts chapter 7, is that Stephen, when he's confronted, Stephen boldly declares the truth. Stephen, listen, is not afraid. Like, being fearful for Stephen is just not his vocabulary, okay? This guy is unafraid. And yet, I think there's a few things. In fact, I think there's three things that we're going to pull from the text today that we can greatly learn from Stephen that even though he declared the truth, he was bold. He was unafraid. Even though he did those things, listen, he did so in the, in the right way. In a manner that was graceful, in a manner uh, that was loving. It wasn't, it wasn't welcomed, we'll see that, but he still did so in the right way. And I think there's so much that we can learn from, from him as we, listen, we're called the, we, we are called to be people who contend for truth to be proponents of the truth in in the middle of a world full of lies and half-truths. And so listen, I want to pray for us this morning as we open God's Word, as we uh, explore what His written Word says. And uh, would you just do that with me for a few moments? We're going to pray first. I know we like to pray around here because that's what we do, that the church should be a place of prayer. And then we're going to dive into Acts Chapter 6. We'll go. We'll actually begin in verse number 8. You can get your Bibles ready if you have yours ready or your smartphones ready. But let's go ahead and take a few moments and pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you for today. Thank you for bringing us here in your presence and even for the winds, God. We pray that you would uh, just diminish the winds even while we're here, Lord, and keep us safe as we worship together. Holy Spirit, we ask that you might um, just really. Uh, Open our eyes to see the beauty of Jesus, to see Jesus as Lord, as King, as Savior. And God, if there's someone in this place who is far from you, um, God, would you soften their hearts today, Lord? And uh, would you draw them to you, into a relationship with you that they might know you, love you, and serve you from their heart, God? Transform our hearts this morning, we continue to pray, God, for the conflict in Ukraine, and we say, "Come, Lord Jesus, Prince of Peace." We say, "Intervene in these matters, God, intervene." We we are we've heard the stories already in a week, in a week's worth of time of tremendous bloodshed and lives being lost on both sides, civilians, God and Lord, um, God. We just pray that you would intervene and end this conflict, Lord. We pray that, uh, Lord, that Russia would just cease all of their arms, that they would lay down their weapons and leave Ukraine, we pray. We ask, God, that you move mightily. We pray for the church in Ukraine as well, God, that the gospel might be spread like a wildfire. God, that those in fear would be emboldened by your Holy Spirit. So, Lord, I pray that even though there's a catastrophe there right now, I pray, God, I ask, this church asks, that the word of God would be proclaimed boldly. And that the church, God, that disciples would multiply and increase in that land. I pray that Russian soldiers might find Jesus as well. God, we ask, God, as your church, our greatest weapon is not a gun or tank. It's on our knees in prayer. So church today, let's pray to you. God, end this conflict, Lord, and bring peace to our world, Lord. We, we know. We know ultimately, Lord, it won't happen completely until you return. But even so now, come, Lord Jesus, come. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, you guys, let's dive into this. Acts chapter 6, we're going to begin in eight, in verse number 8, and we're going to go up to verse 15. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. We're going to look at the verses behind me. I just want you to know where this is at so you can be self-feeders when you go home. You can look this up or read it yourself. Here's what it says. This is Luke writing. He's the writer. Now Stephen, okay? Remember, Stephen's the guy who's going to be highlighted. Now Stephen, I want to hang out in verse 8 for just a moment, just by the way, tech team, just so you know that. Now, Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power. Listen to what Stephen has done or what he's doing performed great wonders and signs among the people. Leave that there for a moment. This is Stephen. I want to just remind you really quick, really quick, really quick. Stephen is not an apostle, okay? Stephen is not an apostle. But what is Stephen doing in this moment? It says he's what? Performing great wonders and in signs. Some people say, well, you know what? Signs and wonders, those have ceased, and we do not say that here at Radiant Church, okay? We say that we may not see them as much as we used to, or this was, the book of Acts was written over, I think, 30 or 40 years span anyways, so some people tend to sort of overemphasize that. Either way, listen, Stephen was not an apostle, but what is he doing? He's performing great signs, And wonders, and I don't know about you, but that just leads me to believe and lead me to think that those things still exist. Those things were not just for apostles, they were for who? For believers in Jesus Christ, those who followed him. And I think it's interesting that listen, Stephen is a man full of grace and power. One quick thing about verse number eight: there is a correlation that Luke wants us to see between the Holy Spirit and power, between the Holy Spirit and power. Read Luke's gospel and look for those words, and you'll see many times they are found very close to one another. Within a verse, within a couple of verses of one another, there's a correlation between being full with the Holy Spirit and having Power and that is what we see in this man named Stephen. Let's keep going. Verse number nine. Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the Freedmen, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the province of um, Cilicia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen. So they're they're getting into this sort of vocal argument, but they could not stand up against the wisdom. The Spirit gave him as he spoke. Let's keep going. They then secretly persuaded some men to say, We've heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people. This is dirty, guys. This is dirty. They're stirring up more people. They're they're building a camp against this one guy, against the gospel, against the church. They're going around and say, Hey, hey, hey! Have you heard what Stephen's saying? Hey, 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 hey! Hey, he's St- Stephen's he's mocking Moses. He's talking about God. He's he's talking about the law. What are you kidding me? Come on, let's go over there. Let's fight with him. And so they're 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 building a camp, all against Stephen. They're getting everyone riled up. Right? They stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law, and they seized. Stephen. So they probably grabbed him, right? And he's like, "Oh, leave me alone, right? And they they grab him. They bring him before the Sanhedrin. This is that ruling council, the Supreme Court, so to speak, okay, in in, in that day, in that age for the Jewish people. And they what? They produced false witnesses. Can I just say this? And I said it before. Every time that you partner, or every time, rather, let me say it like this. Every time that you Partner with a lie, you partner with Satan. What did they do? They found false witnesses. They stirred up these fo- They're lying, essentially, right? It produced false witnesses. Every time you give in to a lie or a little white lie, you are partnering with the prince of darkness, with Satan himself, and then you, you open the door for the demonic. It's true. Who testified... This fellow never stops speaking against this holy place and against the law. For we have heard him say that that, uh, this Jesus of Nazareth, now they're beginning to attack Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen. So they're like glaring at him probably, right? And they saw that his face was like the face of an angel, which is pretty amazing, right? I don't know if it was glowing. I don't know if he had a halo, okay? But they noticed it was like an angel, okay? The first thing that we can learn from Stephen is this, you guys. Speaking the truth must come from a life of godly character. must come from a life of godly character. How do we know this? Well, let's look at Stephen real quick. What does Luke write about Stephen? Well, look at verse number 5. This is one of the verses we covered last week. It says this. This proposal pleased the whole group, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. So the guy's got faith. He's full of the Holy Spirit. Luke writes again, verse number 8. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power. Full of God's grace and power. Luke's not done. Verse number 10. One more time. But they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. And We see from Stephen's life here, it's pretty obvious that Stephen is what? He's full of faith. He's full of grace, right? He's full of power. He's full of the Holy Spirit. He's full of God's wisdom. I mean, gosh. It's pretty apparent that Luke is repeatedly telling us of his godly attributes of Stephen, and he's doing it on purpose, I think. He's doing it on purpose. He's saying, look at the life that Stephen lived. Stephen, I think it's apparent that Stephen lived a life that was pleasing to God. It's pleasing to God, full of grace, full of power. This guy had wisdom, full of the Holy Spirit. When you when you hung out with Stephen, you just know that dude, that dude, he he knows God, right? Have you ever been around those types of people, right? It's just like, man, they like they just emit God, right? It's like, wow. I just hung out with him and I feel more godly. Like, I don't even know. Wow. Like, I want to be more, I want to be around more people like that. I want to be a person like that that when people hang around me, they don't get angrier, they don't get more hateful, but they get godlier, amen, right? We should be, we should like, try to be people like that, that, that when people get around us, they're just like, man, it's like presence of God. Like, I don't even believe like you, but what, like, whoa, like, and they feel convicted when they swear, you know what I mean? And when they do the things that they do, they're like, whoa, I'm, so, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And you're like, hey, man, it's all good. But, you know, they sense the presence of God is what they sense, right? This is Stephen, okay? live a life pleasing to God. And we know this, we know that the words that Stephen used came from his heart. They came from his heart. How do we know this? Well, this is actually what Jesus says about all of our words, that our words actually stem from where? From our heart. I want to explore this for just a moment. This is Luke 6, 45, the words of Jesus. He says this, A good man brings good things out of the good. Notice the repeated word there, good. Good stored up in his heart, and an evil man, sort of contrary, brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. And then he says this, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And I don't know if there's a more convicting verse for you guys or not. My goodness. That, listen, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. If you're making a bunch of I statements that they're, they're all about you, why didn't he do this for me? How come this is not about me? Why didn't he do that? Why why didn't he say hi to me? Why, If it's all about you, you, you may be saying words that are coming from a heart of pride, right? This is kind of a convicting statement for most of us, right? Our issue always, what? It stems from the heart. It stems from the heart. This is why, church, behavior modification has never been the point of Christianity. It's always been about heart transformation. Now, listen, I know that's a cliche saying for some of you, if you're like, yeah, I grew up hearing that. Jesus wants my heart. I've heard this one before, Marco. I get it. But let's just think about this for a few moments. Let's kind of entertain this for, or rather reflect on this for just a few moments. What do we normally say when that person that you work with is just getting on your nerves? Like, Like, they're just irking you. You know what I'm saying? And they just keep doing things wrong, or they just keep like, you know, asking you the same question over and over and over again, or they just, they're just annoying, annoying you to, to, to no end. What do you say to that person? Or how do we normally respond? This is what I've heard with some of you. I've said this before. I've heard this before. Man, I wanted to kill that guy. I, want, I just, I just wanted to punch him out, but I didn't. I, yeah, I, I kept my cool. I just wanted to say these choice words to her. I, you know, Pastor Marco, I just wanted to let her have it. <clears throat> but I didn't. I didn't. I, I didn't punch him out. I, I you know what? I, I stood down. And I know I'm a pretty good Christian. I know. I know. I mean, look at my character. I wanted to, but I didn't. I wanted to just, you know, say these words. But I didn't. Now, (laughs) we've all said this, we've all done this, including myself, but here's what I've been thinking about. The fact remains, you still wanted to kill him. (laughs) Right? The fact remains, I still wanted to say those words to him on the phone. The fact remains, I still wanted to use those choice words with her. The fact remains that you still wanted to punch him out. And I'm just wondering, church, I'm wondering, I'm wondering if we've just set the bar way too low. You know what I mean? I, I wonder if we've just set the bar way too low. What if our response, whatever response that we had, right, what if our response rather came from actually a heart of kindness and compassion? That that was in our heart in the first place. Not that, we, not that we say, well, I wanted to, but I didn't. Right? I wanted to kill him, but I didn't. I wanted to hurt her, but I didn't. I wanted to put him in a headlock, that's right, but I didn't. Right? Now, don't get me wrong, okay? Don't get me wrong. It's great that you didn't punch him out at work, okay? It's great that you didn't kill him. Keep not killing him, okay? Keep not punching him out. Like, okay, that's awesome, and I celebrate that. That's great. But what if, listen, what if we got to a point where the heart was so transformed, where we weren't even inclined to violence or retaliation? You know, maybe that's the point, actually, right? Maybe that's the point. Maybe the point is not just I wanted to, but I didn't. Instead of praying, God, help me not to kill this person. Instead of praying, God, help me not to lay into her with my words, maybe we should pray, God, change my heart so I can see him or see her like the way you see him. And so I'm just wondering, have we set the bar way too low, right? I didn't, or I wanted to, but I didn't. Right? But the, the fact remains, you still wanted to. I still wanted to. And God is after the heart. And what I mean by this is that when our hearts, listen, when our hearts are changed, our words will reflect that. It doesn't somehow mean that we bypass speaking the truth. It doesn't mean that, okay? It does mean that when we give the truth, it doesn't come from a place where we simply want to win an argument. It doesn't come from a place where our hearts are full of... Of pride, okay? It actually comes from a, from a heart. It's a result of our character being formed in the likeness and the fullness of Jesus Christ himself. And so listen, speaking truth must come from a godly character because if you're not walking the talk, guess what? No one's going to take you seriously anyways. The second thing I think that we can learn from Stephen is this. If we want to speak the truth, we need to listen well. If we want to speak the truth, if you want to speak the truth to a coworker, if you want to speak a truth to that unbelieving aunt, if you want to speak the truth to um, your brother, listen, it means this, that you need to listen well. Now listen, I'll be the first to admit that I don't do this so well. I'll talk about that in a few moments, and husbands, I hope you have my back when I say this, okay? But listen, here's what happens. When Stephen's opponents come after him, there are three things that they're essentially accusing Stephen of. They're accusing Stephen of this, of bad-mouthing God, of bad-mouthing Moses, or, or rather this, they're bad-mouthing Moses, bad-mouthing the law, and bad-mouthing the temple, Okay, those three things. And by the way, for an Orthodox Jew, those things are really important. Don't you dare talk about Moses, right? He's like the founder of our faith. Don't you dare talk about the law, or rather Moses gave the law, Mount Sinai, right? Don't you dare talk about the temple. That's the place where, of course, God's spirit resides. Okay, And if you, if you make fun or mock the temple, that's an affront on God himself. And so they're essentially, listen, accusing God. Stephen of talking about these three things, but I want you to notice how Stephen responds to each of those, okay? I'm going to show you right now. We know that Stephen listened well because of this, his response. Now, when he responds to Moses, this is what Stephen says. Acts 7, 39 and 41 says this, but our ancestors, this is Stephen speaking, refused to obey him. Instead, they rejected him, and their hearts turned back to Egypt. They told Aaron, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who led us out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. That was the time they made an idol in the form of a calf. This is Stephen reminding, okay? Hey, your hero Moses? Yeah, not so much a hero. They brought sacrifices to it and they revealed, they, and they reveled, sorry, in what their own hands had made. So here's what Stephen is doing he reminds them that their ancestors actually turned away from God and rejected him. They chose to make an idol out of a golden calf. Okay, so he's responding to their accusations. He's a good listener. Let's keep going. As for the temple, here's how Stephen responds. Stay with me, church. Acts seven forty-eight through 50 says this. However, Stephen says... The Most High does not live in houses made by human hands. As the prophet says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord, or will my resting place be? Or where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? What is Stephen doing now again? Stephen's saying, well, let me respond to this accusation that I'm speaking bad against the temple. Let me just remind you guys, listen, that God's place, his dwelling place is not made with human hands. He's given an argument, right, a rebuttal against their argument. He's a pretty smart guy here, okay? Now, one last thing. How does Stephen respond to their accusations against the law? Last one, Acts 7, 52 to 53. Was there a, was there a prophet your ancestors did not prosecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You have received the law, listen to this, that was given through angels but have not obeyed it. What is Stephen saying here, you guys? Stephen is saying this, hey, you guys received the law, but you didn't obey it. You didn't obey it. So he's met every argument with a very wise, and I would say brilliant, rebuttal. So here's the thing. They don't receive it and that's okay. They're not happy with him. But what's the point? The point is that Stephen listened well. He listened well to their arguments. And If we're going to listen, if we're going to speak truth, listen, we need to understand the other person well. We need to understand the other person well, right? The only way that we're going to understand someone is what? Is to listen to them, okay? It's to listen to them. Have you ever, let me, can, let me ask you, let me, let me, let's get personal real quick. Have you ever, um, have you ever had someone like I can't. I got this bright light, so here we go. I can see better now. Have you ever had like, and just raise your hand, just shoot your hand up. Have you ever had someone just really take the time to listen to you? Just put your hand up in the air if you've ever had that in your life. Lots of hands all over the room. Yeah, that's awesome, right? Yeah, so have I. Would you agree that that's a that's a true gift? Yes. Yeah, okay, good. I was like, man, are you guys alive? Yeah, it's a true gift. Yeah, it's a true gift. When we truly listen to someone, that is a true gift. Because why? Listening shows that you care, right? Listening shows that you care. What do you tend to do? Let me talk about marriage for just a few moments. And Husbands, I'll need you to back me up just a little bit, okay? Don't leave me hanging. Please don't do that, okay? What do you do when someone tells, tends to, to bring all their problems to you, right? What do you, what do you tend to do? Let's that, just, okay, let's talk about marriage specifically. Husbands, what do you do when your wife brings you all the problems, right? Bring, bring, now, here's what I tend to do. You don't have to answer, so it's okay, all right? I'll, I'll let you off the hook for right now. Here's what I tend to do, husbands. I tend to do this. I tend to formulate my response in my head as she's talking, and guess what? Not listen, <laughs> okay? Right. One of the wives spoke up. Okay. Okay, sister. Okay. Right. This is what I tend to do. Yes, right. I'm prone to formulate a response and not listen, okay? But what I'm learning, and, and yes, I'm still learning, is that my wife actually doesn't really want a response. What she really wants is for me to listen. Okay. So more sisters. Some more sisters piping in. Okay, okay. Hey, we hear fellas. Do we hear them right now? We hear them, right? We hear them, right? My wife. This this sounds crazy. You guys, my wife really doesn't want my brilliant response. Right? She doesn't. She doesn't want like my like just, I mean, it's like from heaven, deposited by the Spirit of God, thus, woman, thus saith the Lord, right? She, she doesn't want that. She wants me to listen. Now, here's what I'm learning in marriage, okay? Fellas, take notes. This is for free, by the way. Take notes. Listen. And she doesn't want me to just do this. Uh uh Uh-huh. 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 Because this is what I do sometimes. I have my laptop out. Uh uh Uh-huh. 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 And she says, are you even listening? I cannot tell a lie. No, I am not, honey. So she doesn't even want me to just look at her and go like this, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. She wants me to acknowledge her feelings. And I'm learning this. So here's what I'm learning. I have to read this from a script. This is how bad I am at it. I'm sorry you had to go through that today. That sounds difficult. I can't even imagine what you felt, babe, in that moment. I'm so sorry that you went through that. I'm sorry that Ezra had a meltdown seven times while I was gone. She wants me to acknowledge feelings. So next time, listen, you get into a conversation, don't just stand there and go, "Uh uh uh-huh, 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 or don't stare at your laptop. Listen, right, and acknowledge her feelings. Now, listen, I'm not very good at it, but there's hope for me, okay? And there's probably hope for you as well. I'm learning, okay? I'm learning. Here's what I'm trying to say. If we want to be people who speak truth, okay, especially in the times that we find ourselves in right now, okay, we must listen well. We must listen well, even if we don't agree, even if we don't agree. Why? Because of this. Listening to people shows that we love them, right? Listening to people shows that we love them. We don't just want to win an argument. We want to win a person over, okay? Finally, this is what we learned from Stephen, you guys. Speaking the truth must be done in love. This is the obvious one, okay? This is the obvious one. And spoiler alert, if you have not read uh, these chapters, you know, 6, 7, and 8 in Acts, spoiler alert, okay, they murder Stephen, okay? That's how much they don't like him. That's how much they reject the message. They literally drag Stephen out of the town and they stone him, and this is what stoning means. They take large rocks and they throw it at him until he's dead. That's a pretty gruesome way to die, isn't it? That's a pretty violent way to go out. And that's how much they hate him and they hate the gospel message. Listen, here's what Stephen says, though. This is how we know that Stephen loved those people. He loved his enemies, right? Jesus says to, to bless those who persecute you, pray for your enemies, right? Acts seven fifty nine. 59 and 60 says this, while they were stoning him, listen to this, while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he says this, then he fell on his knees, cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. In other words, he died. How is it that Stephen was able to pray in that moment, Lord, don't hold these sins against him. It can only come from a heart of love. That is baffling to me. I think it probably baffles many of you. Who did he learn that from? Jesus. He learned it from Jesus. Listen to what Jesus says. Luke chapter 23, verse 34. Jesus said, Father... Forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divide up his clothes by casting lots. Jesus on the cross, about to really breathe his last. And what does he do? He doesn't pray or yell out blasphemies. He doesn't curse the others, which I I think I would be tempted to do that. I'm sure that you would be tempted in the same way. Jesus says, listen, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they're doing. And so here's what we learned from Stephen today. Stephen spoke the truth. Yes and amen. I am all for that, by the way. Live not by lies. That's, that should be our mantra, seriously. But Stephen did it from a heart that was transformed. It was a godly character. Stephen, listen, he listened well. And number 3 Stephen did it from a heart of love. He loved those individuals so much so that Stephen said, "Father, forgive them. Don't count this against them." He learned this from who the Son of God. He learned it from Jesus himself. And so this morning I want you to be I want I want Radiant Church to speak truth. I want to speak truth. That's my heart, but I want to do it well. Amen. I want to do it well. I want to I want to, I want it to come from a place where my my life has been transformed and I want, it, I want it for you to be the same. Your character is formed in the image of Jesus. I want you to listen well to people, even if you think what they're saying is total just ridiculousness, right? Just, just, it's just maddening. You're like, oh my gosh, what are they talking about? Even if, you don't, even if you don't agree, that you'll listen well and that you'll love that person. And so today as we close, so I'm gonna take the next few moments, but next two minutes, three minutes here, and I wanna just give an invitation I want to give an invitation. My first invitation is for believers. If you're here this morning and you say, I am in Christ, I'm a believer, I follow Jesus, I'm with Jesus. And I want to to give you an invitation right now. I want you to simply do this. I want to, listen, I want to invite you to the opportunity to speak truth each and every day. To show a watching world the way of truth, okay? Now, how do you do that? How do you do that as a life of of a believer, right? You do it from a life of character. And here's what you do. You love your family, right? Be a good friend to someone, amen? This week, be a good friend to someone. Be faithful to your spouse, amen? Care for your children. Read the Bible, which is, by the way, counterculture today. Read your Bible encourage a friend die to yourself daily you have the opportunity to exhibit the truth to your co-workers how do you do that i'll show you how the truth is this you can give the world hope that marriage is good it's a good establishment right between a man and a woman it's good that children are a blessing not a burden okay? That the church is the hope of the world, and that giving is better than receiving. You have an opportunity with your life to speak truth, to exhibit truth. And so this week, listen, this week, I know you're going to run. God has placed you uniquely in different positions. I want you to speak the truth, okay? Live not by lies. I want you to speak the truth, but I want you to listen well, and love well, and when it comes time for your response, speak the truth boldly with the prayer that you want, the desire that you want, the best possible outcome for that person. Amen? So I'm, I'm inviting believers today. Hang with me. You'll be okay. I'm inviting you to speak the truth, to love well, listen well and want desire the best possible outcome the second invitation is probably a smaller population my second invitation is for non-believers in here today if you're in the church today and i i I just i i've actually had phone calls with a few people past few three weeks i've met some really cool people lately they're coming back to church, and maybe you're one of those. You're you're trying to. In fact, I, I talked to a woman uh, two weeks ago. She said, "I'm, I'm trying to reestablish my relationship with God. I I don't know what that is right now, but I want. I'm looking for that." I was like, "Praise God, that's awesome." I'm inviting you. If you're here and you're a non-believer, you you you're not sure where you're at with Christ, with the faith. Let me just say this: the world is always trying to sell you all types of ideologies, all kinds of half truths, all kinds of mantras. Listen all kinds of lies that are blatant lies. Listen, for example, let me just say this, the world will tell you that if you just live for your own pleasure, if you just live for yourself, that you'll end up happy, but that is a lie. Jesus himself says this, it's contrary to a lie, Jesus is the truth. Jesus says, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. And the idea is this, listen, that when you live, listen, if you're not a believer in here, if you're exploring faith, listen to me for just a moment. Here's the idea, I, I want your attention, that if, listen, that if you live for someone or something greater than yourself, that's when you find true life. It doesn't come by living for your own pleasure, for your own freedom even. It doesn't come by living for just for you. Jesus himself said that he is, John 14, 6, the way, the truth, and the life. So simply today, I want to invite you to follow Jesus, to stop living for yourself, to repent, turn away from your sin, and to follow Jesus. That means, listen, submitting every area your heart and your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's what I'm inviting you to do today. I want to pray with you in a few more moments, not just quite yet, but the prayer partners are going to come up, and we want to pray with you. And if you're not following Jesus, but you want to know more about him, please fill out a connection card or come and see me. Come and see someone on our prayer team, and we'll help you get some resources so that we can can come alongside of you and help you follow Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for today, and thank you for Stephen's example, God. What a mighty example of a man full of grace, full of power, full of the Spirit, full of the truth, and yet he was a, he was a man who, who had a godly character. He was a man who loved well. He was a man who listened well, God. May we be like Stephen in this instance, God, who Stephen, of course, took his cue from Jesus, obviously, God. May we be more like Jesus and loving our enemies, Lord, listening well, but speaking the truth boldly, God, with a desire to see a change, a different outcome. Lord, I pray, God, if someone is in here who doesn't know you, God, may they lay down their lives to King Jesus today. May they ask for forgiveness of sin and seek you wholeheartedly. Lord, I pray for believers here today, Lord, may you give us courage, may you give us boldness, may we be a witness, God, for your kingdom and your glory, God. And so may we as a church speak truth, but do so well. Bless us as we leave, in Jesus' name.